everyone. Welcome to another episode of Half Hour with Astra Theater Company. We are here today with a Kansas City, I would say, staple theater artist. <laughs> You've seen his work all over town. Oh my gosh. He's an incredible actor and he's an even more amazing human being. His name is Darrington. It's me. It's him. How are you, man? <laughs> oh, I'm so good. It's so good to see you. It's been such a long time. Good to see you in this virtual format we set up. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what have you been up to? I have been doing a lot of time at home, <laughs> as most of us have, I think. Kudos. In between, you know, trying to be safe and also just necessity from what our jobs look like anymore. It's been a lot of stuff just like this, you know, mm -hmm. setting up a nice space and doing Zoom in the bedroom or the den or wherever. That's what I've been doing in multiple facets, things yeah. like this. But uh, I also started a job as an elementary school teacher. Yes. And all of my teaching is online. It's all remote. So that's via Zoom as well. Now, do you do your Zooming music classes in this location with this amazing wallpaper in the background? <laughs> <laughs> Every now, if I feel like it's going to be a rough day and I'm going to lose the attention of my kids, this yeah. is where I am because the wallpaper just sucks you in. If you're <laughs> um, it really is. Uh, it's the first thing I noticed, honestly. It's incredible. <laughs> um, but I have a couple options, actually. I discovered throughout all of this, we've learned a lot about ourselves the last eight months, I think. And I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> what? Who? Nothing's changed for me at all. Uh, something I realized is that I don't do well working in my room. I'm just not productive here. And when I was forced to be in early quarantine, when there was nothing else to do except try to scrounge for a job in my bedroom, I just found like I was associating work with my home. Uh, and so it's always been important to me to have somewhere else to go to work so I can leave a space and feel yeah. like I've left that behind. And Absolutely. so since the school is empty, there's no uh, students there. Uh, I have an office at the building and I normally will go and work there and put videos together, do my Zoom classes, and then I can leave school and be done with school. But sometimes I don't want to get up. So the bed <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I think that's something that I have been, I've noticed too, is when I'm working my survival gig full time, I, I need to have like a setup that uh, is its own space that then yeah. I can leave, especially because sometimes things can get stressful and hectic. It's mm -hmm. nice to be able to, like you said, leave that physical space and sort of try to like um, wipe your feet at the door and like sort of switch yes. in energies a little bit because mm -hmm. otherwise sometimes because I can work remotely, if I'm like, you know, in a brewery or, you know, at wherever, <laughs> like if I'm working, I find that I'm just like more stressed because I'm, own, I'm like tethered. I can't really like be present. Right, you can't leave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so. I, I totally uh, understand what you're saying there. Um, so you are you from Kansas City? Were you were you born and yeah. born and raised here? I live on a street that is literally the like textbook divider between Kansas City, Missouri proper, and Raytown. Oh, uh, cool. So I go through a little bit of identity crisis when people say, where are you from? I change it based on who I'm talking to. Do you ever do sure, that? It's, sure, of course. It's like, you can give somebody like a borough if they know, but otherwise you're just, I'm from New York. And yeah. it's like, people ask, where are you from? Kansas City, Raytown, if you're nasty. Um, <laughs> but I own, I own and accept all of that. Yeah, born and raised here and didn't leave until I went to school at K-State. Mm, okay, so um, when you were growing up, um, what was like a formative moment of like, like, when did you get the bug? When did you um, become inspired by performance and art? And when, when did you also have a moment 
where you sort of realized that this was like a viable profession to be able to go and study? Um, well, it sort of happened to me in weird ways. Uh, I consider myself a late bloomer because I didn't start performing even for fun until I was 17. Um, I didn't find it early. I wasn't dancing from the age of two, although I wish I was now. Um, I had, I went to a school that did a lot of field trips just in general. We would go everywhere. But one of the big field trips that we would take uh, was to the Coterie, like so many people. Uh, so when I was young, I was exposed to theater. The first show that I ever saw um, was Telltale Electric Poe at the Coterie featuring oh. the one and only Bruce Roach. No way. First thing I ever saw on stage. He was absolutely amazing. I remember it to this day. And so my life came full circle, essentially, when I got to perform on stage alongside him. We were both in a show where neither of us ever spoke to each other, but I still got <laughs> to be on a stage with him. Yeah. And that felt complete to me. But even then, when I was seeing those shows, it was just a field trip like everyone else went on. I didn't right. feel it targeted to me, except for, I, I will never, ever forget this. Uh, the Kansas City Rep does their new play series, and they've been doing it forever. And one of the uh, shows that they essentially tried out in the smaller space was a musical called Venice. And I remember going to this show and seeing Javier Munoz step on stage mm. as Venice Monroe. And it was the first time I had ever seen the lead of a show be a man of color. Mm. And I saw him do that and saw myself in him. And it was the first time a penny dropped in my head. It was like so many people either make up or can't remember that one moment, but I will for as long as I live. Mm. I didn't know what we were walking into. That was a part of the fun of going to the rep at that time for the new play series. I don't know what this is going to be. And this one's a right. musical. This has a bunch of people. Uzo Aduba was in that. Um, <laughs> Casual. Yeah, it was just very normal. She was on, on stage. Um, but Javier Munoz as Venice Monroe in mm. that musical sort of made me go, oh, there's a spot for me here. Um, and that is when I started taking acting a little bit more seriously. I started auditioning for the shows at my school and got my uh, junior and senior year, I began to get involved. That's so amazing. I mean, to be able to also like pinpoint that moment and like sort of hold on to like what that little dewdrop of a memory is, is mm -hmm. I think super special. So in fact, I tweeted Javier Munoz that exact story just one day on a whim because I saw that he was active, retweeted me, tweeted me back. Like we had a conversation about his time in Kansas City. He's so nice. And that okay, was so like, your best friend. So you're getting brunch. Actually, <laughs> yeah, as soon as I'm back in the city. You're, you're just sipping mimosas. You're chatting <laughs> about the rap. It's all good. I mean, what more is there to life? So uh, you studied at Kansas State, mm -hmm. Wildcats. Wildcats. Wow, get your head in the game. <laughs> <laughs> if you're nasty, get your head in the game. If you're nasty. If you're nasty. Hey. <laughs> um, how was your time there? And, and what did you study? And did you have any sort of like moments of clarity or were you sort of like concretely were like, this is what I'm doing. I'm an actor now, you know? Oh, let me tell you. If there was ever, you know, you look back, we're not old, but looking back on even younger versions of ourselves and all of the mistakes. <laughs> I <laughs> I went essentially to K-State because I was sort of hoodwinked into believing it would be free. Uh, um, but that wasn't that wasn't the case for me. Now I had, because of academics, I had some pretty good offers from other places. And K-State too, like they offered me a fantastic scholarship, but out of state tuition there at that time still cost more than it would have been to go anywhere here. 
Shit, um, because you're technically from Missouri. Missouri, exactly. Missouri, and, if you're nasty. <laughs> Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> uh, and there are so many schools, like, I don't think UMKC does that. Like, if you're from Kansas, they don't charge you out of state. There are mm. some who are like, forget about it. But there are others, like K-State, who are like, no ma'am. Um, so Man. I still ended up paying quite a bit out of pocket. And I initially started um, as a journalism major. Because even though I was still doing theater for fun in the last couple of years of high school, I still knew like what I wanted to be. English, writing, and mm. uh, being persuasive were all of my strong points. So I was like, oh, I should probably do something in terms of the media, right? Um, and I did that. Like while I was there, I uh, worked my way through the student newspaper until I was editor-in-chief my junior year. Um, I joined the Wildcat Watch, which was like the television program that like I did that. But at that point, because I was such a late bloomer in theater, the reason I wasn't involved and decided not to major in it at that time was because I was scared. I went and saw the productions every year since mm. my freshman year, and everybody was so good. Let me paint the scene for you. People like Joey Booz, Donovan Woods, Sean Ruffin, Elise mm. Paling. Mm -hmm. Those were the people that I was sitting in the seats watching who I didn't know, and I was like, I can't do this. Like, they're all so good that there's no way I should even try. Um, but did you feel like that was a personal thing, like talent comparison, or do you feel like your um, choosing to study journalism was a more of like societal view of like a real career that like makes oh, money, yeah. which is also absolutely. like side note funny because being a writer is also really hard. But. Dead, absolutely. <laughs> well, especially like media. If you don't know how to do everything, if you don't write shoot, edit, do all of that stuff, create your own content. You cannot survive. The, the industry is dying, fighting. Um, but it was definitely, you need to have a real plan and then you can play with this stuff on the side. And that's what I did. Mm -hmm. That's what I did in high school. Auditioned for a couple plays. In college, I took a theater class here and there. But somehow the fates aligned that my first year taking an acting class at K-State was the same year um, the old director of theater at the University of Miami Conservatory, uh, because of her husband uh, being in the military, transferred to Fort Riley, which is in Manhattan. Mm. And so she came and it was her first year as an educator at K-State. And so she had taught, you know, Joshua Henry, among others, as they came through that program. And then oh, suddenly oh, there she oh, was like in the middle of, yeah, actually. Program. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like lit. Yeah. Uh, great people who are still doing fantastic work uh, there that she taught. And suddenly she was at K-State, of all places, the mm -hmm. same year that I was. I took an acting class from her and so scales sort of fell off my eyes as far as what acting was, what you could do with it, how important it was, um, how you could change people with it. Like that one professor showed me all of those things and slowly taking classes with her, I got the courage to begin auditioning for things. And then once I was in, I changed my major. Hmm. And that was the turning point where you're like, I can do this now. Like, yeah, this, is this is something I can, I can really do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And so what was your, what were your couple of years like post-grad? Um, did you ever have any plans of like, I don't know, grandeur or like moving to oh, New York or LA? Or, yeah. Let me tell you 21-year-old Darrington's plan. <laughs> Because it took me until my junior year to start auditioning. But once I was auditioning, Henny, I got the parts and I was feeling myself. So I decided that I was going to go ahead and audition for Yale right out of school. And the grad they, program. Mm -hmm, and they were going to take me. 
and I was going to move and I was going to do my couple years there and then I was going to go straight to New York. And I went to my Yale audition and gave them everything I had. To this day, I feel like it's one of the best auditions I've ever had. And Absolutely. they were like, no, ma'am. Thank you so much. Bye. You are not also, one of the four in this room. Also, I will say famously, a very competitive program to get into. Um, if, if you're listening and you don't know, this is like, I would say top two program, graduate oh, program. for sure. World, like Lupita Nyong'o, like mm-hmm. the cream of the crop in film and theater. Um, but also what I do know from friends who have gone through the audition process a couple times is that they hardly ever look at you seriously the first time is what I have heard. And no. many people end up auditioning like upwards of three, four or five times before. Absolutely. Before you're looked at. And that is compounded when you're a literal child, you have no <laughs> professional theater experience and you just came from the middle of Kansas to a program that has no credentials and say, I want to be here. I could have been, I could have been Meryl Streep that day and they would have been like, we don't have a place for you because you don't know who you are yet. And there's still more that you need to learn before we can even take you on. Right. At the time I didn't understand. And I was, I was crying in the middle of a hotel room in Chicago. I broke down, but now it's so clear. Right. Right. I was going to say at the time getting that news can feel so personal and like Absolutely. devastating and like, you don't deserve to be doing this, but like in hindsight, Absolutely. it's kind of a blessing because it wasn't meant to be, you weren't supposed to it be there. Then, not. You know? no, no, and I'm guessing that other things developed in the chaos of that. Yes. Uh, so, right. When I did not get into Yale, I was like, okay, that was, that's where all my money went, very literally, because those applications are not cheap. Um, and Plus I put all my eggs in that I mean, basket. Yeah. How was I going to get all sorts of things? Yeah. And K-State really did help me out there. But um, I was like, if I'm not going to go to a grad school um, right out of college, I still want to keep studying. I knew that the educational environment and atmosphere was very good for me. And so I started looking at apprenticeships and found my way into the last open slot of the Milwaukee Repertory Theater Emerging Professionals Program, uh, which was foundational in, I think, the, the stage in my career that I'm in now. That's where I really got to learn and exercise the necessary skills, I think, to be a successful regional actor was mm. there. Yeah, what, Very what was much. it like there? What's their program like? Um, I absolutely loved it. It is tough. It is one of, if not maybe the hardest thing that I have done to date because it's a six to nine month residency there on site. Uh, the theater uses the University of Wisconsin's at Milwaukee's dorm rooms to put up uh, the Emerging Professional Residents or EPRs for short. Mm-hmm. They select anywhere from six to 10 acting students or acting residents as well as two directors and actually they cover everything like there's a lighting person there a sound person there and we're all uh considered interns and we work for the company understudying the shows and also learning from the first class artists that they bring in uh for their regular season yeah but when i say understudy the shows we were the one and only understudies for the shows no matter how big the shows were. oh so you swung oh there was a point in which i knew six roles for three different shows Mm. at the same time there they (laughs) work their interns out but it was fantastic it was the hardest thing that I ever did it taught me how hard you have to work if you need something Mm. Um, it taught me how to ask for help it was a new place that I had never lived in before with a bunch of people who had never been there before I met people who uh, grew up in Louisiana and Philly and New York and even like more remote places in the Midwest that I had never heard of it was 
awesome. But the pay was also $75 a week. And so we had to deal with that too. Yeah. I mean, that there is nothing quite like that emerging um, those years of your life when you are like yeah. in the intern years and the postgrad years because it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's really so tough on hard. your spirit and your wallet. And mm -hmm. I did those years in New York. It is not, it's not cute, but I, they are so necessary to build. Uh, who was I talking to last time? Oh, uh, Lily Kaufman. I don't know if you know her. Mm -hmm. um, I called it the, the skin thickening phase. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's exactly what it was. Because you are going into auditions doing good or bad work and probably not even being looked at or someone's like mm -hmm. eating a like poorly constructed romaine <laughs> salad while you're doing Shakespeare. Giving your heart out. Yes. Yeah. I'm like sobbing, like giving you a Macbeth <laughs> monologue and you're eating a chicken Chewing. salad. Absolutely. And I'm like, mm, you pay $12 for that. So am I worth less than $12? <laughs> yeah, it's a... It's an interesting time, but I will say it's, it is necessary as an artist and just as a human to, for me, this is what I took away is like, stop making everything about you. This is yes. not about you. It's not personal. Like sometimes they, the auditions, I would say most of the time in New York, the auditions are a formality. Like things are probably already cast. Someone's going to get the job who has worked with these people before. And that has nothing to do with you or your talent. It's absolutely. Yeah. But it's important to show up. It's important to be there and you will become one of those people with perseverance. I learned that and honey, it taught me ensemble. Talking about not making things about you. When it's you and seven other people in your cohort and you're responsible for understudying all these shows, putting together material yourself, auditioning, representing a company, like you learn how to lean on each other. And that skill of knowing who you're working with and understanding, empathizing and supporting them is something that's really important to me to this day. I try to bring that to every group of people I'm working with, some sense of unity. You do it so well too. I mean, you just like <laughs> radiate um, openness and, and uh, wisdom and honesty, you know? And oh, I think yeah. that's what, in my opinion, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna raise you up for a second. That's what makes you such a, such a, a fascinating and compelling performer is that it it is just so honest and sincere and there's nothing that you're hiding behind even even if you are doing like a campy show at the coterie for kids mm -hmm. there is still like a, an innate honesty and i think just i'm such a fan um, oh, thank you. <laughs> um so where are you at like now in your career and and what does now look like for you in the next couple of years what would you like to see or do or experience mm -hmm. I just had this realization talking to another friend of <laughs> another friend of mine, Taylor Vesper, um, that all for me at least, being successful in this career has always been about knowing who you are, um, knowing what you offer, and being in the right place at the right time. There's a little bit of luck there, but it's mostly research and more than anything, being in tune with yourself. And over the better part of this year. I've sort of lost touch with who that is in the theater industry specifically. I know who I am, I know how I've grown, but having been away from theater for this long, when we return, whenever that is, I will be a completely different person. Who I should be playing will be different, how my voice sounds will be different than when I last left. Hmm. And so as uh, intimidating as it is, I'm really looking forward to this new learning curve of figuring out what body I sit in now. and what I can offer to the craft and to the city currently, as opposed to when we all hit pause in March, because I, I know now that I'm different. 
I'm a different person. And I look forward to sort of rediscovering that. Uh, but to literally answer the question, there have been a couple of like cabarets and things that'll pop up online that I've been able to do. Like I said before, moments of intense busyness when all the opportunity is there and then moments where I'm down for several months. But you know, I got my uh, dramatic play service subscription. And so every yes, month I get a new play that I read and that's how I try and bide my time. That's great. I think continuing to try to like better yourself and, and learn and, and whenever you have the time and the energy, because during this moment we find ourselves in, I think it's also really important to like listen to your body and spirit and be like, okay, I, I need a moment today. Maybe exactly. I'm just going to like take a nap because I can't like really fully give my attention to this play or this, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I think generally the folks that I've been chatting with, like are trying to use this time as a gift, you know, because that's really the only thing we have right now is all this time. Right. But realistically, when else would we have this much time to mm -hmm. sit in stillness or grow a garden or do any of those things that like sort of help to like ground you and make you a more full person? And a person, my, a person and, and a, a more honest and full person is just going to be a better artist, I, I think. So when we do go back and find ourselves in a theater again or on stage, what, what do you want that to look like? Like a, what's a post- a post-plague theater look like to you <laughs> um, on and off stage, I should say. Yeah. Like what kind of work, what does it look like? Where's it at? It doesn't seem so right now. And it's something that I've been struggling with, with the political climate right now. And that's a, a whole nother podcast, but mm -hmm. ultimately I felt so much strife and so much division in almost every corner of life because of everything that's been happening. Everybody's been, you know, picking sides and are pitted against each other. But at the same time as this pandemic has been going on, we saw an incredible surge in the Black Lives Matter movement. We saw um, a lot of people for the first time standing up for rights of differently abled people of the LGBTQ community. Um, what I want a post-plague theater to look like is absolutely full of empathy. I think if we have taken nothing from this time, it is that we get nowhere if we're not caring for other people. Some of that is firm. Some of that is the we see you at American theater demands that are being set. It's like, we need you to be more empathetic. Mm. It is vital for what we do. I want to see that embraced, but I also want to see more genuine kindness, less taking for granted the business that we have and the connections we can make with people. We've been robbed of that now. And I hope that we remember that. And as we go back into the world, that it is not the same as it was before. It is not the old normal. I hope that this has taught us a permanent lesson in really seeing each other and being aware and doing our part to be compassionate. Yeah, just being compassionate to your fellow like artists, but also the people coming to see your show and absolutely trying to move with as much grace as possible is something that I've been trying to like grapple with is like, <laughs> everyone is going through a lot right now and some folks more than others. And isn't that sort of always the case, even when there isn't a global pandemic, you know, everyone's, mm -hmm. everyone's got their shit. So how can I try to just like, as an artist, but also as a person, just like lead with a little more grace and not you know discount what someone might be going through at the time because the truth is you never know you know you never know um wow can you believe it's already been a half hour <laughs> no truly it feels like it's been a couple minutes <laughs> I know. um okay is there anything else that you're up to currently or like projects that you're working on or things that you have oh. coming up that you can plug 
as far as plugs, not really, which again is not something that I'm upset with living in the stillness. We don't need to be hustling all the time. But uh, talking about changes that your body is going through during the pandemic, I've always sort of felt with musical theater specifically that there was a spot for me, but it perhaps wasn't the most comfortable what my voice can offer versus what, you know, people are looking for, especially in this day and age. And so I've been looking very heavily into starting to make my own music. Um, and so that's the next big thing for me, if I can find the time, hopefully over winter break, when I have a little uh, step away from teaching to really dive fully into that and use the resources around me to see if I can create content in that way. I'm looking forward to exploring that. That's so amazing. Um, do you play piano? Uh, piano, violin, and I just picked up very tone ukulele in March. Very fun. And so we've got a couple things here and there, but I also have way more talented musical friends and I will be tapping them. <laughs> <laughs> As you must. You've got to use your resources. That's amazing. Well, I look forward to it. Please keep me in the loop. Absolutely. Um, and where can we find you, Darrington, just in general? Oh, uh, Facebook, Darrington Clark. It's public. I don't know if that's a mistake or not, but you can find me. Uh, <laughs> I'm at Instagram at Darrington my name until T-U-N-E, you can find me there. Uh, and I'm working on getting my website put up. If you follow me on any socials, you'll be able to find that information too. Amazing. Well, we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yes, thank you so thank much you. for taking the time with us. You are so lovely and um, <laughs> we look forward to chatting with you soon, all right? Thank you so much. It was right. a pleasure. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.